Hi, and welcome to the Cancer Nurses Society of Australia's podcast, Nursing Excellence in Cancer Care. My name is Gemma Still, and I'm the CEO of CNSA. Our vision as the peak member organisation for cancer nurses in Australia is to provide the best possible outcomes and experiences for all people affected by cancer. We promote excellence in cancer care and control through the professional contribution of cancer nurses. To achieve this mission, CNSA acts as a resource to cancer nurses around the country, no matter what their geographical location or area of practice. We are the link between cancer nurses, the consumers of cancer nursing services, and other health professionals involved in cancer care. Our podcast series, which will focus on Australian nursing practice and the care for people affected by cancer, speaks to one of our most important strategic imperatives, delivering relevant, practical and accessible professional development. This series has been developed to be a strong communication and education channel for busy cancer nurses to update their nursing practice, knowledge and understanding of the latest cancer treatment options, research developments and patient management challenges. It's an opportunity to enable discussion and share knowledge throughout our connected community. Get ready to be enlightened and empowered. This is Nursing Excellence in Cancer Care, brought to you by the Cancer Nurses Society of Australia. Hello, everyone. My name is Diane Davey. Thank you so much for coming. I am on your board of directors for the CNSA, and my day job is I'm the operations manager for cancer services at Albury Wodonga Health. And today I'm joined by Anne Mellon, CNSA president. And over to you, Anne, to introduce yourself. Thanks, Di. Yes, I'm the CNSA president currently. And in my day job, I'm a gynecology oncology clinical nurse consultant and I'm based in Newcastle in New South Wales. And we're also joined today by Kate White. Hi, Di. Hi, Anne. Hope you're both well. Lovely to join you all tonight. I'm joining you from the Gadigal lands, the Aurora Nation, and I'm really excited to be here and share this opportunity. I work currently as a professor of cancer nursing in Sydney Local Health District, and in that capacity, have the pleasure of working with some fairly fantastic haematology and cancer nursing colleagues, supporting them in the work that they do around improving patient outcomes. In this podcast, we're going to discuss the status of the cancer nursing workforce and how CNSA is positioned to lead the discussion on the needs and requirements of the profession. We're talking retention, education, next generation, and everything in between. Now, we know there are challenges, but there's opportunities as well. I'm looking forward to exploring these in this episode. So firstly, our specialist cancer nursing workforce is evolving rapidly, and our aim is to ensure our nurses are enabled to deliver the quality care they are committed to. And we know that CNSA are doing a lot of research and work in this space. Can you please talk us through it? Thanks, Di. Well, where do I start? A few years ago, Lucy Gent, who was a past president of CNSA, identified that there was a need for a cancer nursing workforce mapping project. And through her vision and advocacy, this work was commissioned by the Board of Directors in tandem with our Research Standing Committee. And the project aimed to understand who and where cancer nurses in Australia are working and to identify their needs. This information will help CNSA to better represent cancer nurses, enable more effective advocacy, inform future directions and expansion, hold value for government and partnership opportunities and policy development. 
So back in October of 2021, we conducted a cross-sectional survey to gather information on cancer nurse, from cancer nurses across Australia, and we are just about to release that full and frank report. The Cancer Nursing Workforce Report aimed to describe the cancer nursing workforce across Australia using multiple methods. And the type of questions that were addressed in the survey were things like, what are the characteristics of cancer nurses in Australia? Where do they live and work? What are their qualifications and how long have they been practising? What activity are cancer nurses actually involved in? What are the challenges to the cancer nursing workforce? And what individual organisational and systems level variables predict job satisfaction? The final survey actually consisted of 68 items covering demographic characteristics, education, qualifications, work experiences, cancer nursing roles, work environment, rates of pay, job and pay satisfaction, specialty areas, tumour streams and usual work activities. And we were absolutely thrilled to have had over 930 nurses participate in our inaugural survey. Mm. So what are the initial results suggesting, Anne? Well, the qualitative analysis of the survey responses from the cancer nurses in Australia has actually revealed a range of factors that contribute to job satisfaction and challenges affecting their well-being and their ability to provide quality patient care. Many nurses actually express satisfaction in supporting and caring for cancer patients, being part of a positive team culture and making a positive impact on patients' lives. However, there were several key challenges that were identified, things like high workload, staff shortages, and limited access to educational opportunities. And these challenges have often led to staff burnout, reduced job satisfaction, and intentions to leave the profession. The survey actually revealed that nearly 30% of nurses expressed their intention to leave within the next few years, while a further 30% indicated that they would depart the profession within 10 years. And obviously this is a huge concern for us, given the level of specialised knowledge that we will then lose from the healthcare system. And that's why this is a priority for the CNSA board to act on these findings to ensure that the people we care for actually continue to have access to that high-level specialised cancer nursing care. Mm. So let's talk about this specialised knowledge and specialist cancer nursing positions. Kate, do you want to speak a bit about that? Yeah, sure. And I think it's really important that we recognise the, the significant skills, knowledge and expertise our specialist cancer nurses bring into the clinical setting, wherever that clinical setting is. Certainly, we know that the way we provide cancer care has changed dramatically. I think it's something like 76% of cancer treatments in Australia are actually given almost on an outpatient basis. That is, they come in, we'll have a component of their treatment and go home. And that means that we need to think a little bit differently about how we're providing that care. It's interesting because over the last two decades, there's been a number of studies that have looked at advanced practice or specialty practice cancer and palliative care nursing roles. And every single one of those studies have identified that when you're being cared for by a specialist nurse or the care is being led by a specialist nurse, that there are significant benefits to patient outcomes. And they could be really straightforward things like improved communication between the general practitioner and the cancer setting and improved access to information. The patients that are receiving specialist nursing care have a better understanding of their treatment 
And that's really significant because it actually means that they're going to manage their course of treatment that much better. I think one of the things that we've always got to be mindful of is that in the cancer spectrum, treatments are changing dramatically and they're becoming much more complex. We're treating people in a way that is more complicated and we're treating people for much longer. And so this, the specialisation is incredibly important. And I think we should never lose sight of just the complexity of the knowledge and skills that nurses in this space have to have to be able to deliver that care. Interestingly, in all of these studies, and they've been done in numerous Western countries now, it's consistently shown these outcomes, whether it's a metropolitan setting or a community setting or a rural setting. And so I think, you know, we've got this incredible opportunity at the moment with first ever Australian Cancer Plan coming out. And I think when people are talking about that, particularly nurses, they want to be a part of ensuring that that cancer plan is able to be delivered. And I think we can see that we're very much integral to the successful implementation of the cancer plan. I think one of the things that's been a challenge for us, though, Di, and I'm sure you'd sort of come across this as well, and Anne, is that whilst there's a recognition that these roles have an impact, they haven't really been, we haven't looked at the workforce or the health service needs in a systematic way. And so we haven't really planned around what is it that we need within a health sector from a nursing workforce point of view to be able to achieve those improved patient outcomes regardless of where a person's located. So one of the things I think we've really got as a challenge is how do we address equity and how do we ensure our next generation that we've got people coming through and that we're actually proactively planning for that next generation. Back to you, Di. Yeah, I agree with everything you've said there, Kate. I mean, I think you're right. Certainly in the regional areas, what I've found is those different roles, especially those uh, advanced nursing roles, that there is a lot of disparity from site to site. And, you know, sort of looking at there's no benchmarks, every state is different and so forth. And it makes it really difficult when you're trying to create career paths and succession plans when there's that lack of consistency. And I guess the other thing that I would say, and I think one of the exciting things about the survey is that this survey was done during COVID. And I know no one ever wants to hear that word again, but it certainly was a time where the system was under enormous pressure. But I think what was really significant about that is that we saw the flexibility of nurses. We saw their ability to step up and take on new roles but in the cancer space what we saw was nurses working incredibly hard to protect their patients and ensure that they still got timely access to their treatment but the big challenge we've got moving forward is that internationally we know that we've got a workforce shortage and we have a problem in Australia as well so it's predicted that we'll need about another 120,000 odd thousand nurses in Australia by 2030 that we will be short of. So we've got to really have a better understanding about 
in the next seven years, what are we going to be doing to actually change that? And for us in cancer, that's really important because we want to make sure that we've got these expert specialist nurses coming through the system. But we also want to make sure that they're located across the country, that it's not a case of geography or whether you're being in an affluent suburb, that shouldn't be the determination or that shouldn't determine whether you've got access. So I think what's really important for us at CNSA is we've got this kind of moment in time, if you like, where we can start to engage more actively with organisations, policymakers, health service planners to say, we need to work together. We need to actually identify what is the cancer nursing workforce for 2030 and how do we ensure that we're fostering a more equitable and robust cancer nursing workforce. And the bottom line is the evidence is there. This is actually going to have a significant contribution to improving patient outcomes and ensuring people get not only get treatment, but they get timely access to treatment in a way that's going to improve their outcomes overall, but meet their needs. Mm, very well said there, Kate. Now, Anne, can you tell us what's happening next with the Workforce Survey? As Kate said, you know, this is an evolving landscape, not only in the cancer nursing space, but within the, the workforce and the workforce shortage space, not just only in health, but across, across all sectors. So strategic workforce planning is really imperative. And I mean, this will involve us identifying and analysing the current workforce in terms of the skills, the knowledge, the numbers and the experience in the workforce to actually understand the current workforce requirements and to help plan for those future needs moving towards 2030 when there is going to be such a shortage. And workforce planning will actually allow CNSA to identify opportunities and predict those employment needs. And as Kate mentioned, with the launch of the Australian Cancer Plan later this year, which aims to achieve equity and outcomes for all Australians, specifically those in rural and remote areas, and in particular for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, it's essential to understand how and where nurses will contribute to achieving these goals. And, you know, nurses, cancer nurses are actually going to play a pivotal role in realising the Australian Cancer Plan's objectives. And by understanding their contributions, we can actually ensure that the expertise of our Australia's cancer nurses is effectively harnessed to drive the positive change and equitable outcomes for all people affected by cancer. So we're actually planning to release the full Cancer Nursing Workforce Support later this month. And we're also hosting a National Workforce Summit October, where we'll be meeting with key stakeholders to set the scene regarding nursing workforce and specifically cancer nursing, and including current gaps and future gaps, and to hear from the key players about what current activities and future direction they're involved in in relation to workforce, and actually explore the feasibility and opportunities for CNSA to collaborate and contribute to the future development of nursing workforce solutions. And after this, we will actually be able to report back to our members with a podcast focused entirely on workforce needs and demands later in this year. Oh, fantastic. So let's talk about education a little bit. Now, really deep understanding of the workforce needs is going to guide you know, the development that we need. So tailored education, training and professional development programs. 
Now we know that 60% of the workforce hold postgraduate qualifications. So it's very educated, skilled workforce. But members are also telling us that they need more professional development to keep up to date with the evolving treatments. So we know that new treatments are coming out faster now that they ever have been. How do we keep up with that on the floor to know, you know, know about the medications we're giving and know yeah, some of those basic skills for some of the people coming through from general nursing into specialization in oncology. So, Kate, what do you see happening in the higher education space to help support this? I think we've been fortunate in that we've been able to sustain specialist cancer and hematology nurse education up to master's level. And separate to that, of course, we have the Masters of Nurse Practitioner program. So when we're talking about advanced practice, there's specialist nurses, but then there's nurse practitioners. And we've done quite well in cancer and palliative care in establishing those roles. Both of those specialist roles are linked to an education framework, which is really about ensuring that they've got not just the the knowledge and expertise to function at that specialist level. What a, a master's postgraduate qualification does is it helps people to think more critically. They learn very different skills to engage in health service planning, to think, yes, I'm looking after my patients today, but how am I preparing for the patients of tomorrow? And so getting them to think in that way. I think. One of the challenges we've got is most postgraduate education is fee-paying. And if we think about our workforce, they're at a time in their lives often where they're paying off mortgages, they may be starting a family, there's lots of things happening. And so that's a major challenge we're up against. And so I think to sustain us, we really need to continue to be lobbying for scholarships to support people in doing their postgraduate specialty education. The other thing, and I think you said it really well, Di, how do we keep up to date? And things are moving so fast. And how do we suddenly turn around and say, right, now I'm going to teach you or now we need to deliver car tea? What do we do in that space? And when we talk about educational professional development opportunities, we need to remember our colleagues in regional sites. How do we make this accessible for them? And I think that really highlights that when we're thinking about education, we've got to unpack it at the levels that you identified. What's professional development maintaining your currency? Where are the opportunities and are they accessible easily to learn about those new things as well as that formal specialty education? And I think that's where CNSA in those first two areas has a really important role to play. And I can't, I can't not mention research education and engaging people in doing research because I think what we've really benefited from in Australia is some really fantastic nursing research leaders. People like Patsy Yates and Sandra Aranda and Mai Krishnanami, Leanne Monterosa, I shouldn't say names because I'll forget someone, but you know these people have really done the research to either develop an intervention to make a direct impact on patient outcomes or to showcase that contribution that nurses make to patient care. And so I think how do we 
collaborate both in education and research is really important. Sorry, Di, I had to slip the research in there. <laughs> I'm glad you did. And I have to say I, I was one of the beneficiaries early on to get that support to do some nurse-led research. And it was with support of Mike Krishnasamy. But as you said, there's so many different leaders in this area. And this is where CNSA, there are a lot of people that will help support people that want to even get started in research or people that are mid-career. And I've found that, you know, the um, CNSA Congress is a great gathering of those like-minded people. And if there's anyone interested in research, there always is some support to be found. And even looking at different introductions and mentorship in that type of thing is always available. So Anne, in your clinical areas, what sort of challenges are you seeing? As I've said, I work in a, a gynaecology unit and there's actually limited educational opportunities for nurses in this particular specialty. There's one gynaecology conference that's held each year in Australia, as well as state-based study days in some states. But of course, not all nurses are able to attend these things each year as someone needs to stay at work and care for the patients. So as Kate already said, there are also lots of changes in the treatment space in the gynaecology within minimally invasive surgery, changing chemotherapy regimes, the addition of maintenance therapies for patients, and of course, genomic testing that actually allows women access to different treatment options that they didn't have before. And the nurses in our unit often have to find their own education that covers all of these topics. And of course, again, often have to self-fund to attend relevant conferences to keep them up to date with what is a very fast-moving treatment space. And nurses also need undertake that education in their own time. You know, as we all know, in the busy day-to-day -day clinical workload, it doesn't allow time to undertake education during the working day. So many nurses end up doing not only postgraduate oncology education online, but even just updating themselves by attending webinars in their own time. And again, often self-funded. As the clinical nurse consultant in my unit, in an advanced practice role, it is my role to try and provide education to the nursing staff on relevant topics as we see them and as often as I can. But again, often due to the heavy clinical workload, this can often be cancelled because the nurses are just too busy to attend. So it really takes some individual onus on, on each of the nurses to actually go out and source their own education at times, which can be difficult, especially when people are trying to, as Kate said, find that work-life balance between their work and their home lives. What about you, Di? You work in a, a regional area. How do you provide education for your nursing workforce and what have been some of your solutions to address the geographical barriers? Well, Anne, I think listening to you, it's remarkable how similar the challenges are, even in regional areas, to what you just described. I certainly think that in the last couple of years, maybe it's one of those you know, silver linings from, uh, if there can be one, from COVID is so much of the education has moved online. Uh, so it just does make a lot of those programs, the tertiary education, a lot more accessible. Uh, the other thing is just the additional of so many webinars, and there have been so many resources developed for people to log in and do courses online, as you said, with webinars. Time is the challenge, again, in terms of that work-life balance. You know, things like in-services, as you said, often they can get cut with the clinical environment being really busy. Uh, so that is an ongoing challenge with us in the regions as well. But CNSA is doing a few things about this. So the things that we are doing is looking at 
doing our weekly webinars, our Tune In Tuesday sessions. Uh, we've got our Congress that is in June each year, which seems to be going from strength to strength. We're starting this podcast series. We've also got quite a few face-to-face -face events that are starting up again. So there's an event coming up in Victoria that is pretty much a whole state event with so many satellite sites. So the main event's in Melbourne, but there's about four or five separate satellite sites that are participating in that event. So we're really focusing on bringing the resources and the education out to people where they are. Uh, whether, again, as that be from webinars, from listening to the podcast, or with some face-to-face -face events. And that really ties into what the strategic plan is for CNSA, is we're really here to support our members to access that education. We know it's hard for people, but we're trying to make that as easy and accessible as possible. Thanks, Di. Yeah, you're right. And look, CNSA is one of the many institutions that can help fill the gaps that everyone's identified. And many of our listeners will be aware, we do have those weekly webinars that provide fantastic current and practical information and help keep nurses up to date in, in the changing landscape. And as you've already mentioned too, we also run our very successful annual Congress and deliver a range of those face-to-face -face events on clinical skills, treatment updates and supportive care. So we also try to collaborate with other stakeholders as often as possible and work with organisations such as COSA, the VCCCL Alliance, Cancer Council Australia and Cancer Australia to provide information and resources to our members. And we're also about to launch our new communities of practice with their key purpose being to facilitate the sharing of knowledge nationally and, of course, the introduction of these new podcasts. We want to be able to provide a variety of, of resources and opportunities for, to participate so that members can pick and choose the way that they interact with the organisation in a way that suits their learning needs but also their busy lifestyles. When we're looking at where different nurses are in their career. We know we do realize that there's some people that are early in their career and their education needs and the support they need might be a bit different for someone that's later their career. And what CNSA want to do is to be able to offer something for everyone and also leverage the more experienced nurses to help out the newer generation. So we're all working for the profession to help everyone be the best that they can be. Now that we have a better understanding of where the cancer nurses in Australia are and what they're doing and what their needs are, that we are able to actually work to be able to support those nurses no matter where they are, ensure that their needs are met. It's such an exciting time to be part of the CNSA and it's such a privilege to work beside our colleagues in delivering the best possible care for them and their families affected by cancer. Look, Anne and Kate, thank you so much for joining me on our first podcast, and I look forward to many more with you. But before I sign off, I just want to thank all of our volunteers who've worked to build our professional development and advocacy for so many years. Our membership is passionate and experienced, and we're forever grateful for your ongoing contribution to CNSA. Our organization is nothing without its dedicated members, and thank you so much for your contribution, everyone. Now, you can listen to this CNSA podcast, Nursing Excellence in Cancer Care, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining us.